The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. Well, we see everything taking place that we've been talking about for years and years and years. Do we delight in that? By no means. Do we anticipate it's going to come tomorrow? Maybe. Is it our hope that we might be right that it does? No, by no means. It's going to be much worse than what people can even imagine. We've never been so far from the soil. We've never been so far from the capability of taking care of and meeting our needs by our own hands. We've never had so many people dependent on something outside of their control, government and other agencies, to give them what their needs are, and even more. And even our poor people in this country are not like other poor people. The average poor person here has a CD player television, even satellites, now cable TV instead of satellites so much, cell phones, car. You're not poor unless you lack what you need to live, live to stay alive. 
So we even forgot the concept of poor. But this is going to be defined to us. And I don't say that in delight. Our lady says, be ready. Ready for what? For many things. Spiritually, for Jesus coming back. That's the final be ready for. But in the interim, there's things to be ready for. And we're there now. We've got some uh, news that Joan's about to read. It's from Crown Financial. There's a Christian ministry, both for Protestants and Catholics. There's Catholic churches on this program. It's a good program. I don't subscribe to everything they say, but it's a good thing to get out of debt, showing you to get out of debt, get your church out of debt, get yourself out of debt. And though it came in two days ago, and I understand now, I was told that they've come up for a rescue and remedy, and I'll speak a little bit about the remedy they came up with for what they're bringing up here in this um, news, but the revelation it shows is how close we are to falling. England hits the panic button. The world is facing the worst financial crisis since at least the 1930s, if not ever. That ominous assessment came last week from Sir Mervyn King, governor of the Bank of England, after announcing that the bank's Monetary Policy Committee would put £75 billion of newly created money into the British economy in a desperate effort to avoid a new credit crisis and a UK recession. According to the UK Telegraph, economists said the bank's decision to resume its quantitative easing, or asset purchase program, showed it was increasingly fearful for the economy and predicted more such moves ahead. British Prime Minister David Cameron, also quoted in the Telegraph, summed it up this way, The Eurozone debt threatens global economic stability. International Monetary Fund advisor Robert Shapiro joined in the chorus, telling the BBC, If they, the Eurozone leaders, cannot address the financial crisis in a credible way, I believe within perhaps two to three weeks, we will have a meltdown in sovereign debt, which will produce a meltdown across the European banking system. Shapiro isn't talking about a relatively small Belgian bank in trouble. He's predicting that if European political leaders can't rein in their out-of-control debt, some of the largest banks in the world could go under, banks in Germany, France, and eventually Britain. If that happens, it will spread everywhere because the global financial system is so interconnected. All those banks are counterparties to every significant bank in the United States, Britain, Japan, and countries around the world. In my view, that crisis would dwarf the one in 2008. Shapiro went on to imply that what we don't know certainly could hurt us. What we don't know is the state of credit default swaps held by banks against sovereign debt and against European banks, nor do we know the state of CDS held by British banks, nor are we certain of how certain the exposure of Britain banks is to the Ireland sovereign debt problems. More and more leaders in the European Union are beginning to sing in harmony. They recognize that their sovereign debt crisis can quickly spiral into a global financial crash that could eclipse the impact of the already painful Great Recession. This panic is good in that it will lead to action. However, we need to be very aware of the economic risk 
turmoil, and proposed solutions in Europe as their actions will impact us all. My perspective is that one of two scenarios will unfold in the coming months. A. Default and breakup of the European Union. Specifically, Greece defaults and is ushered out of the European Union to fend for itself, as well as other potentially insolvent countries in similar condition. Few believe this is likely. Even so, this corrective action will send shockwaves through the financial markets and destabilize what growth is taking place. Or, the other perspective that might happen is B. Resolved to remain united and continue bailouts. It appears that the current political climate indicates this as the more likely course. Notice that the Bank of England announced another round of quantitative easing and alluded to the commitment of more to come. Some abundance call option B the extended pretend policy, meaning extend the default de- deadlines out into the future and pretend it will give everyone sufficient time to grow out of this mess. American economic policymakers have more confidence in this approach than their European counterparts, as evidenced by how often we deploy it. What is happening in Europe is likely to be on its way here soon. We are seeing early warning signs that should not be ignored. Pray for our nation and our leaders. God's wisdom is vital for such a time as this. Well, there you have it. You have people saying that we're looking at sovereign countries falling. And not just Greece, not Portugal, major countries, Italy, France, Germany. And that will regurgitate back this way. I say regurgitate because it's a vile thing that's taking place. Why? Because the whole system has a judgment by God against it. It's not going to recover. It can't recover. It's not going to change. And the reason for that is because no matter what they come up with, we've got a morality problem. And if that's not fixed, all you're doing is prolonging what's taking place until it does become fixed. And so, where do we go from here? Well, I was just told that they came up with a solution. And of course, this piece that Joan just read talks about that they have to come up with something. They have to cut back. They have to do this. I know that they're not reporting on the news, but I was told that in Italy there's rioting and fires and things like that going on because of their cutting welfare pack. People spoiled. They're not going to let that happen. And they don't have the means, nor do they want the means to the solution because politically it would be suicide for the politicians to take actions like this. But if they don't do it, then it'll catch 22 if they don't because it's going to happen anyway. So now we have a solution. They've done some things to boost up the euro. And what is this doing? Just use your common sense. How long is that going to last? What is it going to do for you? How is it going to make any difference in an ultimate crash of a system that has a judgment against it. The world had a judgment with Noah and a flood. That judgment was given. And maybe Noah, depending on if he got tired and said, let's take off for a few days, was able to postpone that judgment a little bit. And where they worked day in and day out, and they would just say, hey, 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 sons, you can sleep in. Why is make breakfast for them and let's give them breakfast in bed? We've been working hard. I mean, he worked on this thing for decades. I imagine that happened. We know human nature, and you know, you know what happened. You can enter into things. That's how you enter into Scripture. 
You look at human nature. What is human nature? You can go so long, you get your batteries recharged. Hey, let's just take, let's just not just Sabbath. Let's just take a little bit of extended Sabbath. You mean after 30, 40, 50 years of building the ark, you, you tell me, no, no, I didn't do that. And so we can prolong this. We can put it off by these quantitative easings, printing, which means let's print more money, put it out there to spend more money, and it's just getting bigger. So there you have it, straight from a second source, that we're in a fatal situation. That said, then should you not be thinking about the moves you need to be making? And that's what we're not doing. We're, we're saddled with mentalities. Well, we won World War II. We've done this. We've come out. We've landed on the moon. We, it's just a matter of a man figuring it out. You don't figure it out against the judgment of God. And no civilization surpasses the ultimate crime or sin that's in our culture today. And that, that, that's the sign when we're trying to pass the legislation to live any way you want to without any moral boundaries and make what is abnormal, normal, what is unseemly, seemly. You don't pass that point. Nobody's ever done it in history. You can say, okay, when man has never landed on the moon. Don't be so arrogant. You know, perhaps that's where he went wrong. Christopher Columbus, when he saw America, they said, the Save Regina. They named everything after Christian thing names. Our Lady, many times. Mississippi River was named after the Virgin Mary. The River of the Immaculate Conception. Some people didn't like that later. They changed it. But that's what it's named, because that's what they thought. First God. Seek first God's kingdom. But when we put a foot on the moon, what do we say? That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. Ooh. I didn't know at the time. I stayed up. I was sleepy. I was doing what I can just as a youth watching that, out of the, the scratchy TV screen. And when he did that, well, I didn't, we didn't know if the world was going to end. But you know, it really did. It really it can be hard to point. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Where's God in all this? Where's the Christopher Columbus mentality? We did it, God. We didn't say, thank you, God, for the technology you've given to us. You've advanced man's purpose. May it be good for holy reasons. No, it was for man. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Total, secular, minus, divorced from God. What was it? So we did die. We started dying at that point. Or we've grown, we've advanced, and so has the economy. But look at the signs. Our ladies said... Poor children, look at the signs of the times. She didn't say, oh, happy children, look at the signs of the time. Poor children, look at the signs of the times. Watch, she adds no words there without a purpose and without reason. Poor children. The signs is coming, it's not good signs. Don't reject me, she says at another point, that it might go well for you. Where to follow her, where to be instructed by her. And so this should be taken note and strike us when we have the secular supporting the spiritual the spiritual understood through prayer that we've seen preceding this for years that we're gone away and when you go away 
there's only one time to correct it. That's a correction. That's what it's called, correction. Things come back to the natural order. After the flood, there was peace. There was disorder beforehand. We're living in disorder. Disorder is not from God because God is order. When God sees to it to bring things back to order, then things are purified. When things are purified, they collapse. It's just that simple. You don't have to have complex thoughts and decisions and what I have to do. And it's, this is what this show's about. It's about giving you a new mentality. We need to understand that we have wrong mentalities about many things today. There's a, we get, we've been getting a lot of questions. We always get a lot of questions for the Medianomics shows, but so we're trying to address some of those as best as we can on the air. But uh, a question we received just a few days ago actually was in response to last week's Medianomics show. And uh, this person uh, writes to us and says, uh, I have been listening to the Medianomics shows for a while now. Uh, when I fall behind, I go to the past shows and catch up. I agree with most of what is said in the show. I have a couple of conflicting items that need clearing up, however. I'm not sending this with any malicious intent, but I have heard uh, our friend, a friend of Medjugorje, make quite a few controversial comments. Most recently, I have to say, though, I was really shocked to hear him talking about the right to bear arms, protecting ourselves, etc. While I am a conservative and do believe that we have moved away from what the Founding Fathers wrote in the Constitution, those are more worldly views. Jesus would never condone or advocate the use of violence, much less guns, even to protect ourselves. Uh, The most shocking is that uh, a friend of Medjugorje went on to say that it was good, okay, to use nuclear weapons on Japan. No way Jesus or the Virgin Mary would ever agree with this statement. Not even if they had been all soldiers that got blown up, uh, but much, much less including the innocent civilians, women, and children that died due to this horrific act. How can a friend of Medjugorje be saying this and be representing Catholics, the Virgin Mary, and the visionaries? My last point, in which I have trouble uh, grasping, has to do with the silver recommendations. Actually, again, I completely agree with his viewpoints based on a pure secular financial research. The dollar world economy is going to collapse and gold and silver will go sky high. The thing is that a friend of Medjugorje spends a good bit of time talking about the value of silver in terms of the dollar, meaning it's worth $30, $40, etc., etc. So at the same time that he is denouncing the dollar and current schemes of the Federal Reserve, etc., which, by the way, I agree with, he is talking about the value of silver in terms of these evil schemes and dollars. It seems that a friend of Medjugorje is a little bit caught between worldly personal views and religious views. I have to say that a friend of Medjugorje should should maybe really consider his words and maybe edit shows before putting them out, as he is representing millions of Catholics, and really, in the end, the Virgin Mary and her teachings. I don't think any of the messages have directly asked to get away from the dollar and start using silver. Certainly not to use violence to, or condone guns or nuclear weapons, even in the form of protection. I do not want this to come over as negative, but I would like to hopefully hear your responses on the show soon. i rather not give my contact info, but like I do that recently, but... Uh, you've started ans- including questions and answers, so I hope that you address these. Give me the paper. These questions, because they're asking not sincerity, I'll answer. Uh, we get sometimes people have no sincerity in what they're asking. It's just a slight. That's all they're interested in. But this also displays, I'm not saying this negative to the individual, but the Roman mentality. That's what I lay. Metanoia, for, it means conversion. Conversion means, metanoia, the word, means change of mentality. Social justice is influenced to, uh, is greatly influenced by wrong. 
when we divorce right, then we go off to wrong. So I don't give opinions here. I'm not interested in giving opinions. I'm interested in giving truth. So I don't pretend to represent the Catholic Church in the sense I'm speaking for the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church puts out truth, and I speak for truth. The messages are speaking truth. The truth of the matter is, and let me just go back so I won't skip anything. I want to answer this completely in fullness. The uh, first question was, most recently I have to say I was really shocked to hear him talking about the right to bear arms, protecting ourselves, etc. Well, I'm a conservative, conservative, I do believe we've moved away from the founding fathers wrote in the Constitution, and those are more worldly views. That's a, that's a complete wrong. That's this move and all this mentality is not right. The, the founding fathers didn't get done. They based the script, the Constitution, and the Declaration of Independence. Actually, Declaration of Independence, sixty percent of it, directly from the Bible, Leviticus. Seventy up, up to uppers to eighty percent, maybe even ninety percent of the Constitution and Declaration can be rooted back to biblical principles. These were Christians. These were not worldly people. They didn't approach this country from a secular standpoint. Now, you're taught that. Social justice teaches that. There's a lot of error. Liberation theology teaches that. All this, and a lot of this was what Fatima was talked about. Say, uh, Russia would spread her errors throughout the world. She looked for consecration, so Russia wouldn't do that. And so a lot of this, when you, when you really see the history and you look at things, it's not that way. Uh, this individual goes on and says, Jesus would never condone or advocate the use of violence. Of course he doesn't. I didn't advocate the use of violence. Much less guns. Okay, that's where I defer. Even to protect ourselves. So you have a paradox here. Jesus doesn't condone or advocate violence. Even to protect ourselves. Well, this is a contradiction. This is contradicting the church. This is contradicting justify, uh, justifiable war. This is contradicting even Jesus in the scriptures. In Luke, he, he even talks about swords. Can you imagine the Last Supper, seeing the apostles there? Jesus there? And Jesus tells them, go sell your coat. He refers, basically, I don't, you can look up the uh, exact words, but sell your coat and buy swords. And one of the apostles, maybe Peter, says, look, there's two swords here. And Jesus responded, and I don't, I'm paraphrasing, Jesus responded, uh, this is enough, speaking about the two swords. What's that about? If weapons are bad or guns are bad, then why did Jesus say that? Sure, you can counter that, because in Matthews, I know Jesus goes back and says, after Peter cuts off well, first of all, let's go back. When the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter's got a sword. Okay, that was the top, latest technology as far as weapons. What's he got that sword for? Well, you could say it was ceremonial. He had it at the, at the Last Supper. He had this. That The point is, Jesus is with Peter. Jesus is all-knowing. And Peter has a sword. In the Garden of Gethsemane after the Last Supper. What's that all about? Well, you can counter that thought with, well, Jesus, Peter then cuts off the ear of the servant or the 
the Sanhedrin, one of the guards. And Jesus responds to him to put the sword back up. You know, he's put it back in his sheath. Because who draws the sword perishes by it. Is that a contradiction? No. Because if you're being violent with your weapon, if you're using it when it's not supposed to be used, it's wrong. If you saw somebody and you had a gun and you were on the street and they were attacking somebody, and people may be thinking, what well, at this point, what does this got to do with economics? I'll bring it back to that. But you see this scenario taking place. You have a weapon, you have a gun, and some, some man's attacking a woman right there on the street. It would be immoral if the only way to stop that man was to shoot him for you not to do that. Yes, maybe you use a, a, a um, warning shot first. But you have an obligation to protect the innocents. And that's in the catechism. It's there. That's not me. I base what I'm saying on not opinion, but on truth. The catechism says that. Everybody's got a right to protect themselves, to defend themselves. That's what we're talking about. And that's what the forefathers wrote in the Constitution was about defense, not violence. Nobody's got a right to get a gun and be violent with it. It's defense. It's for protection. Yvonne had apparition in Medjugorje. With, at one point, they were in the basement, I think, because bombing or the threats of that. They had all the soldiers there. They're all in the guns. They all had the guns. The Virgin Mary comes and blesses them all. So by this mentality, this erd thinking, that's not the message where they says, Jesus is the light of common sense. It says that quote, so you won't say I'm paraphrasing. She says, he is the light of salvation and common sense. Okay. So you can just as well say, too, he is the light of common sense. It's common sense that on October 7th, what I quoted last week, whenever this question is referring to, that the Turkish fleet was destroying the Christian fleet, and they were going to take over all Europe, and they grabbed the rosaries, and that impelled the grace to be won for them, for the Christian fleet to defeat them. So the question says, much less guns, even to protect ourselves. I tell you what, if there's anarchy in your hometown, you better have some, something to protect yourself with. There's nothing wrong with that. Our forefathers, what they wrote in the Constitution was never, ever, ever intended to be interpreted by non-Christians. And this is a non-Christian mentality. This is not, oh, God guts and guns. But this country is the only country in the world that's done what it's done, and it's in its Second Amendment. And yes, I defend that in line with the church. Not in violence, not that you're reckless, not that you're free to do what you're doing. The whole movement of this anti-gun movement now is against Catholic teachings. It's through social justice. It's through communism. It's through the United Nations. Look it up and research it yourself. We don't have time to go into it. You'll find the facts. You're going to be shocked who's behind it. It's what I quoted last week or the week before when we talked about this is what was said on the, on, uh, during World War II. Now we have the safest streets in all the world or all of Europe. Now we have gun control and all the guns will be off the street. Signed, Adolf Hitler. Do you, when you start hearing take guns up, do you know who's doing that? you know who's behind it? Research it. Don't trust me for it. All these coming because the signs of the time showing that there's some bad things coming down. So you're a fool if you don't get your umbrella, if you see the rain coming. 
And when this question says, even to protect ourselves, you have every right to do that. Every single person has a right to do that. Otherwise, if nobody had any mentality to protect themselves, there's no way to even keep your house safe from harm. And we may be coming in that period. But what's our first protection? Prayer, living a holy life. Because you don't have to necessarily always have a weapon. You may be in a situation called where you depend on God's grace to protect you. I know a Vietnamese story in communist Vietnam when the war was going on of a guy running away from the communists, chasing them, runs into the church, runs around the statue and, and, and stays right there and stands beside the statue of the Virgin Mary. The communists come in with the guns. They circle the statue looking for him. They don't see him and they leave. He was out there right in front of him. Our lady made the guy invisible. Incredible story. So yes, God can protect you. But also God says, use your common sense. Which brings us to the next question. The most shocking is that our friend went on to say that it was good and okay to use nuclear weapons on Japan. I didn't say it was good. It was a necessary thing. Resulted in good. What? What? This person goes on and says, no way, it was Jesus and the Virgin Mary would ever agree to this statement. Well, that's a contradiction. Did you know, do you know history? Do you know what was going on? Do you know Hitler had scientists working for him that knew how to beat us and create the nuclear bomb? And somehow God deposits some kind of goodness in these scientists to say we haven't come up with the solution yet because they knew we were working on it. They stalled to give us time. This is new stuff. This is just in the last year or two we found these documents. They stalled long enough for the United States to get the weapon first. I don't think that was without grace. I don't think that was that activity without Jesus, without God. Why? Because while everybody has some measure of not being perfectly right, we were married to right in this situation. They were slaughtering Jews. The Japanese themselves committed themselves to die till the last man was gone. They were prepared to be in the trenches and send millions of our guys onto the shores and our allies to fight hand-to-hand combat, resulting in far more greater numbers of being killed, far more tragedy, far more people who are alive today that wouldn't be alive had they not come back to the shores, got married, and had children. Maybe this person here who writes this question. Had we not dropped the bomb? It's a defensive. It wasn't violent. It wasn't something we were being aggressive. We even dropped pieces of paper. Did you know that? We dropped papers for three days before. We even pre-told them something's about to happen. There's a large bomb coming. I forgot exactly what it says, but it warned everybody, leave this area. Some paid attention, some didn't. Those who didn't, they didn't die. And even in the midst of this, in Hiroshima, I think it was, there's a monastery right near Ground Zero. Look at the pictures. Do your own research. Don't trust me. Don't think this is opinion. And look at it. It's standing. They survived. So yes, God in the midst of that can do that. You don't think the actions of God? Everybody else got wiped out. Why didn't he just save everybody else? Why didn't he make the plane crash before that took place? See, this is herd mentalities. We are filled with a real sickness in the church through social justice that we can't do anything. It's liberation. Theology has touched it. It's by committees. Our bishops don't even get the right story sometimes. Fed to them the information they're getting. They're good and they give good verdicts. They, they do what they do. They base it in catechism and the magisterium. And we're to obey that. But we have some scurried things taking place. That's why they's coming. 
And so people have gone to this liberalism that's based in a lot of erred things that Russia promoted decades ago that's still filtering out, some through Latin America. So the question goes on, so I fully answer. Not even if they had all the soldiers blown up. That's the immaterial. I've already addressed that. This horrific act. This was a grace. Do you understand? We could not stop this war without this. Harry Truman, in fact, said, had he not used the bomb, the, this bomb and after they found out about it, he would have been impeached. Why? Why did he say that? Ask yourself the question. Because he would have been charged with millions and millions of dead people. Far more than what we had to take down to start with. That's the art of war. It's called, what do you call it when it's uh, casualties? You, take, you accept certain casualties, peripheral damage, not peripheral damage, but um, lateral, collateral damage. You have to see, where, what can I do in this war? What can I do in this fight to take the least lives and save the most people? This was collateral damage. We had to do this to show the Japanese. You know what, you know what the, her, uh, the, the, emperor, the emperor, the emperor said when he saw these two bombs drop, and Hiroshima and Nagasaki, he said that there's no use for us to continue fighting because this bomb, if we continue this, is going to cause our people to cease to be. In other words, they would have been wiped out as a civilization. There wouldn't been no Japan today making Toyotas for us. And that bomb stopped that. Even it brought him to the conclusion because it was honorable for them to die hand to hand. This was what they were doing, just like jihadists. This was honorable things for the Japanese to do. They decided, he says, he says I'm going to break with tradition. We're not to do that. And were we violent? My dad told me when he landed in Japan, they were ordered to tell everybody not to bow down to them. Lift these people back up. What nation on earth does that? The same nation that says, you have a right to bear arms. Can you imagine that? After all what the Japanese did, all the buddies that they killed that we landed, my own father told me that they were not to allow one Japanese person to bow down to them. Give them their dignity. Show me anywhere in the world conquerors have done that. Show me. And again, it's the same country that's got in its constitution, Second, Second Amendment. Nothing wrong with that. And thirdly, the question was, our friend spends a good bit of time talking about the value of silver in terms of the dollar, meaning it's worth 30 to $40, etc. So at the same time that he's denouncing the dollar, the current schemes of the Fed, Reserve, etc., which, by the way, I agree with him, he is talking about the value of silver in terms of these evil schemes in dollars. Well, there again, uh, let me go on the record real clearly. I hate the prosperity doctrine. I don't believe in the prosperity doctrine. It's wrong. Jesus didn't die to get you money. Jesus didn't die except to give you salvation. Okay? The, the environment is salvation. The environment for the world is coming to change. Physical changes, Evan says, is coming to the world. Why? Because the environment in which we live is not conducive to goodness, to holy, a holy way of life. So we're talking about imagination. It's a holy way of life. How do you get to holy way of life? Transfer what you have. Transfer what you have into getting into an environment where you can see God. And I think you've got to read. Is that reading about nature? That was what was going to put after next week, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, next week she's got a reading uh, about. Um, we just paraphrased a little bit to me. All I know is about that was. Well, just give me three sentences on it. Uh, basically, that nature is necessary for for the mind to um, 
to be able to think well and to process well. And those who are part are not exposed to nature uh, do not think as well or process as well. To be continued next week. What's the point of this? The point of this is is that we we are talking about it to create a way of life. How do you get to that? Okay, people are locked in subdivisions. They're locked in housing. They can't, they're locked in areas in their lives economically. They can't get out of that. How do you get to that? The method of silver was about that. Okay, prosperity doctrine is like, oh, I'm going, I'm going to go to communion to get something for nothing, or God's going to give me this. I mean, yeah, you, you can pray for God to meet your needs. Yes, you can pray for that. It's the, the well, I'll answer. I'll answer it this way: when you grow string beans or you grow tomatoes and you can them what are you doing you're storing the fruit of your labor that that's not prosperity doctrine that's within the written script of nature how god designed things so you you're that's stored we store things for a purpose do you store your wheat after you've grown all season and feed your cattle What's the, what's the problem with this? It's the hoarding of it that's the problem. It's the love of it. And the same thing applies to silver. The dollar's not honest. It's not honest because it has nothing value backing that up. Because there's no value backing it up, why would you want to store your labor in this? See, don't look at the dollar as money. Look at it as a means of storing what you've done for the last year, hiding underneath the mattress, and you've got $3,000 sitting there. So you stored all that works, that year's worth in those notes. But they're not worth anything. All we're telling you here is to store it in silver. Not to keep silver and not worry about if it's going $30 or $40. Not a prosperity doctrine, but to store what you have into something that's really value. And if you took that $3,000 worth of labor that you work for and take, how do you take that that's unseen, and put it into something that will store that labor, that whole year's worth of work, and you buy $3,000 worth of uh, Morocco's Mental Medjugorje rounds, and, and you're not going to put it underneath your mattress because if you do that, that means you've got wisdom. The one that puts it on a mattress that has no wisdom because the first place a burger goes is underneath the mattress. So you're not going to store it there. You're going to be more clever because you're clever enough to know, I want to store my labor, my, my what I have, into something that has worth. So I don't care if it goes up to $50 or $100. The point is, is to take that, to store it in that. What's it for? What is the principles of the show? What do we show here and what are we teaching? The principles of this is to get it to get in a holy environment, to get toward nature where your mind will get clear, where you can see things with clarity. You can understand God's ways. You can understand holy way life. You're getting it for a holy way of life. You're not getting it to have prosperity doctrine. If you've got excess and more than you can spend, yes, store it in there. You may be having to help people. You may have to build 10 cottages on your property. So don't misquote me. Don't misunderstand me. This is about not prosperity doctrine. This is not making you rich. This is making you holy. Use this. Stored wealth, whatever it be, one year of labor, your whole life savings, whatever, your retirement, put it in that. And get it out of that to get into a holy environment of nature, working with God, where you got your stored wealth from your labor then in a can of beans. I say can, I mean a jar of beans in canning or process. Live in the way where your thoughts are, are very clear, not with wrong mentalities. All three of these things, these three questions, are wrong mentalities. 
I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm saying that to open your mind up to realize you have to change. You have to look at things in a new way. Go into nature. Go into creation. Why we have the problems that we have now, and we're going way beyond our time on this, but I think these, these things are necessary. And you've got one more read real quick, which I think may tie into this. From what I understand, again, I've only heard two or three sentences of what Jones is about to read, but it's about why we are where we are. When Gary Bauer spoke at our Reclaiming America conference in January 1994, he expressed the attitudes and feelings of those who share these concerns. He said that while most people are skeptical about what happened in Washington, D.C., few of us really understand just how different the values of lawmakers are from those of the rest of the nation. The elites in Washington, he said, believe that government can create utopia on this earth. They believe in more moral relativism, radical individualism, and a strong central government in control of every area of our lives, while the people of this country believe in personal responsibility, truth, virtue, and faith. The elites in Washington want to build a new world order unimpeded by traditions or religious convictions. I know that all of us worry about the economy, said Bauer, as do our fellow citizens. We worry about having decent jobs and a living wage and the chance to own a home and educate our children. We all worry about the deficit, which is continuing to go out of control in spite of what the politicians tell you. Between the time that the sun came up this morning and it set this evening, the federal budget deficit increased by $1 billion. Not because you're undertaxed, but because Washington is under, unable to control itself when it comes to using other people's money. Economic worries, however, are not the biggest problem in this nation. Bauer went on to say, I'm not worried about America economically. I'm not worried because something seems to have gone wrong. I'm worried because something seems to have gone wrong with the heart and soul of our nation. And millions of our fellow Americans know that something has gone wrong, even if they don't share our faith perspective. You can hear them talk about it at school board meetings, at the grocery store in their neighborhoods. All of them know something has gone wrong. And our leaders in Washington don't have the answers. They don't even know the right questions to ask. Bauer asked, what happened in America between the time that we understood personal responsibility and a time when there are thousand reasons to escape the consequences of our acts? Then he said, what happened in America is that we forgot God. And having forgotten God, we have unleashed the hounds of hell in our streets, in our homes, and on our children. And until America realizes that, there is no turning back. Bill Clinton's 1992 campaign slogan was, it's the economy, stupid. And all the energies of the Democratic and Republican parties went into talking about the economy. But the real problem in America is not the economy. It's the heart and soul of this nation. Gary Bauer said, A nation of children without fathers is not going to outcompete Japan. A nation unable to distinguish between right and wrong won't solve the budget deficit. A nation of moral misfits eventually become a nation of economic misfits. The economy and our moral fiber are linked together, and the politicians just don't get it. A peach on a tree didn't get there in and of itself. It came from the tree. The peach is the fruit. The economic system that we have is the peach, is fruit. The tree is the morality problem. And we're growing bad fruit. It's the morality, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. What we're inheriting now 
is from morality. We lost Christ's principles, and until we culturalize those back into our family, our own heart, it can never be our nation will be right, and no nation will be right. So we've got to realize it's just simple. We're looking for complex answers and looking to Washington, to the presidents, and all these people. It's just very simple. All we need up there in the White House for this country when everybody's going to campaign is just, just a farmer, just a businessman, just somebody who has nothing to do that's got common sense, built on biblical principles. That's our return to fixing the economy, not schemes, not plans, not even getting silver. This is a, this is a, a, a step having to be taken as a result of bad fruit being picked. How do I go to good fruit? How do I position myself? Not to save, not the prosperity doctrine, but to be able to live a holy life where I can see clearly. And then that part, and we'll hit on that point to be continued. Frank, I know you've been quiet for a long time. Yeah, well, I think that Our, our Lady has, does say a lot of these things. I'll just say very quickly that Our Lady's messages, um, things that she's done in America, things that have happened in Guadalupe, you reconcile it with Revelations 12. Our Lady's maternity to America is very unique. And um, there's something very special about America. And these documents, uh, our Constitution, was divinely inspired um, with, you know, Our Lady's guidance as our mother. As she's come to America and said many times, do not forget I'm your mother and I love you. She was pregnant in Guadalupe, no place else. So this is um, a a new teaching that our, our, a new way of thinking that Our Lady's showing us because we've gotten so far off track. There's uh, the program on the second of the month. I strongly recommend everyone listen to and re-listen to. The message was so incredible that it specifically addressed a great problem in the world, in our nation, uh, the way that our families are structured. And Satan shows his hand a lot of times. He hates this message. He hates the book, How to Change Your Husband, because it's a liberating book. It's for women that want to be liberated. It's the Women Libs book. It's the book for women livers, because it is the most liberating book for women, and Satan hates this book. It's been more attacked than any other book that I've ever heard of, and it wouldn't offend a 10-year-old. So, well, uh, truth is always, I've, seen this attack, I've seen it attacked online, I just want to say that I know this is something Satan hates. Listen to this show, pass it around, and allow it to liberate your family. It's, it, it's awesome. The message was awesome, the show's awesome, and, it, it, you know... The, the ministry is doing incredible work here at Austin, Birmingham. And the show that Frank is referring to is the show October 3rd uh, for the October 2nd message. It's called uh, This is the Time to Take a Stand. And you can download that show for free uh, on Medjugorje.com. Uh, on the left-hand menu uh, under Radio Wave, past shows, you'll see it listed there, October 3rd, 2011. This is the moment to take a stand. Of course, again, that's a free download. Frank, we're over our time. If they, anybody has any financial questions, they need to discuss how to get this transition to you get toward nature, get toward that way, start that path. Even if you can't do that today, there are steps you can take instantly, and you can call Frank and ask questions for that. Frank? Yeah, just three words that tell you why to call me. Newly created money. You'll never hear the words newly created silver because God doesn't operate that way. God is a God of freedom. And when you hear the words newly created money, this is a system God's judgment will come against because it's, it, it goes against the laws of nature. But our toll-free number is 877-936-7686. You can also reach us by email at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. 
our webpage is globalsilverinvestors.com, and the number is 877-936-7686. Carl Frank, even if you're not ready to make those steps, we want to get you toward the message. The message speaks clearly to get hearts close to a way of salvation. That's a personal message to me from the Virgin Mary through Maria and the community, my family and the community here. We were told that May 31st, 95, go in the Silver Jubilee, you can see it. Our lady just said, speak with words the gifts God's given to you. Sitting there in that apparition with me and Maria only was how to change your husband and I see far. A lot of the philosophical walk that we're walking, and she said the words, get hearts close to a way of salvation, to my, to my heart, to a way of salvation. So if you still have scurred ideas like, oh, I don't subscribe to a lot of these things or the answers I was given, it's, it's in the framework of the message. It's freedom. And what makes something bad is the use of, the use of it. Otherwise, it's good. You know, for protection of your family, protection of your way of life. And all these things are just that, using some of the things of the earth for good, not for violence, but for defense. And we need defense. We need defense from the devil. He's prowling the earth like he said that. So you've got to work on your mentalities. The message is about changing and, and having a new mentality. So research what's said. Find the answers yourself. That's there. It's not opinion. We wish you, Our Lady, goodbye. We love you. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.